it's all about him today and every day worship is about him so he encourages encourages us in the book to set our minds things above not on things on the earth but on things above and that's where we want to put our minds today we want to be thinking about heavenly things because he is the one he alone is worthy and thanksgiving is all about him thankful is something you are thanks is something you give thanksgiving is something you do there's action in it and he says enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise do you feel like you're in the presence of god today you know that he he's here in this room and his presence fills this room we have water problems here in new orleans i've met several couples from around the country so just be careful with the water till three o'clock then it'll be clean and pure all right but where we've got bottles at all of the fountains because we don't want you to drink the water we've had a problem when i heard about that and now they're pumping the mississippi water you know river water out of there and they're not being able to properly clean it they said or they weren't able to for 10 minutes something shut down I thought about the river that runs from the throne of God for the healing of the nations, deeper than you can cross, never gets polluted. And we are in the river of God's grace today, being sustained by his mercy and his love. In Colossians chapter 2, that's where I'm going to be today, if you'll Turn in your Bibles over there, Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 6, but you could pick out almost any place in this letter that the apostle writes from prison, we believe, and run across thanksgiving. Six times in the letter explicitly, he talks about giving thanks. He starts the letter off giving thanks. I'm going to show you a way to give thanks no matter what your circumstances are. That's what's going to happen today. I love Thanksgiving. I love the holidays. It's my favorite holiday. All the kids are coming in. We're going to sit around the dinner table, and we're going to talk about God's blessing. All the grandkids are going to be there. It's going to be great. And giving thanks. I'm grateful for that tradition. started in 1621. They buried so many people on that hard winter. But they made it through, and they had a feast. And Governor Bradford said, let's just, let's just declare three days of Thanksgiving that the harvest time has come. And so they gave thanks. And it was in the middle of the war between the states in 1863 that Abraham Lincoln said, in this bloody war, more Americans died in the war between the states than any other war we fought. And in the middle of the war, he said, let's just declare Thanksgiving a national holiday and let's give thanks. And it has been so ever since. If you're looking for a holiday that is purely Christian in its roots and motivation, this is it. The scripture says, in everything, 
Give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God concerning you. Because <laughs> it's the will of God. Somebody came in today wondering, what, what does God want me to do? Well, give thanks. That's the will of God concerning you. Thanksgiving will light up your life. It'll make you glow to give God glory. Puts all of life in its proper perspective. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. Busting out of the banks (laughs) with thankfulness. Running over the top of the glass with thankfulness. Abounding in it. Have an excess of it. Let somebody accuse you of being too thankful. Probably until you get that accusation, you hadn't been thankful enough, all right? Overflowing with thanksgiving made me think of a river. Living here by the mighty Mississippi. And so I read these verses and the next several verses with the idea in mind like this. What tributaries... Feed this river of gratitude and make it overflow. What is it that makes you overflow with thankfulness? A new grandbaby. Amen, Edens. I'm telling you, that's a joy. They're first. It's a glory. All right. Here's the first thing. Verses 6 and 7, okay? This is the tributary. One of the tributaries that makes your heart overflow with gratitude. Your salvation. The stream of salvation. See, Paul's been talking about that all the way through. He comes back to it over and over again. You are saved through God's grace. You are saved from sin, from the penalty of sin. The power of sin is broken. One day you'll be removed from the presence of sin. You are saved eternally. You are God's child. You've been adopted into the divine family. You can be grateful for that, can't you? The disciples came back, and they were so astonished. They had gone out healing and throwing out demons, and they came back to Jesus, and they said, Jesus! Even the demons are subject to us in your name. You know how Jesus responded? He told his disciples who were so happy that the demons were subject to them in their name. That's a pretty important thing. That's an amazing thing. He said, do not rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. Rather rejoice in this. What? That your name is written in the book of life. No matter what comes along, you can rejoice in this. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, 
So walk in him. Continue to live in him. Have this constant life of faith. You received him by faith. With that faith God planted in your heart. It was the grace of God and all about God's grace. And the rest of your life, including today and the circumstances you're in, is all about your faith and God's grace. That's what it's about. You trusting God in the middle of the trying time, whatever it is, just like you got saved years ago, you remember it, you've rehearsed it, that's how you keep walking. What's that mean? Rooted and built up in him. Now, I have an illustration of rooted. It's a picture I took in California of the Redwoods. Yes, that is me. And you say, what is that? It is the root system of a giant redwood tree. It has toppled over after hundreds of years, going up hundreds of feet. It fell over, and this is its root system. And the Scripture says here, you're to be rooted. Now, if you want to be just a little bitty plant, maybe you don't need so much roots, okay? But if you want to be the largest living organism on the planet, you got to put out some roots, brother. All of the redwoods grow in groves. Everybody knows this. I remember the first time I stood in a grove of redwoods that were towering over me 300 feet. I'm telling you, it was wonderful. And they laced their roots together so that for hundreds of years... At 300 plus feet, they can withstand the winds of time and stand even, some think, for 2,000 years. You don't do this root system on your own. You need to send your roots down deep, but you also need to send them out. Connecting yourself to the brothers and sisters in the body That's part of your salvation. When you give thanks to God, you give thanks that he has connected you to the body, that you are rooted and built up. Have we showed them the picture yet of how these towering redwoods are? See, Paul does this on purpose. They are rooted, that goes down into the soil, spreads out like this, and then they are built up. These things are very, very tall. I think there's a human being in this picture somewhere. This is like... Find the little David. But I don't know where I am. I think I'm in there somewhere. But I am minuscule. God wants you to soar. He does. He wants you to mount up with wings like the eagle. How are you going to do that? Well, just like you received Jesus, you're going to live in faith carried along in the river of God's grace, thanking him every day for his salvation, making your permanent identity your salvation in Christ. Look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive. Better watch out for this, huh? See to it that no one takes you captive. Somebody's trying to make you a captive. 
through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. You know my strangest Thanksgiving? I spent one Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving on death row. I ate turkey and dressing with Carla Faye Tucker, Betty Beats, and Francis Newton. They asked me to, so I did. They've all been executed. They're all gone. Those three ladies. Strangest thing. You walked into that death row cell through all the different layers of security to meet somebody who was genuinely free. Carla Faye Tucker had a freedom in her life that transcended her physical circumstance. A tremendous testimony of God's grace. I had a college professor who trusted Christ, and he was talking to me about his experience. And he had been addicted to different kinds of drugs. And he said, you know, I felt like the devil had put me in a cage. And I was living there in my filth day after day. And I leaned up against the door one day and I found out it was open. (laughs) If the Son shall make you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. (laughs) If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So every day you can thank God for your salvation. That's a tributary that feeds that flood of gratitude in you. And you can thank God for your freedom in Christ. Now, people are spying out your freedom. Not everybody likes the idea that you live in grace. Not everybody's happy with grace nor with mercy. Some people don't like it at all. For them, it's all about justice. And so they're going to come to you with a religious system. Wouldn't you know it? Religion in the world. And here is the system. You don't need Jesus. That's not enough. You need this seven-principled Guide, And if you'll obey all these laws, then you'll make it. And every single religious system that purports to deliver you is just another path to self-righteousness. That's what it is. It's just self-righteousness. It's you trying to work your way. There's some people who don't want God's grace. They want to make it on their own. They want their merit. They want to have a a meritorious entrance into heaven one day. And God to say to them, oh, you've been so good. I think you've been good enough. You deserve to live with me forever. They want that. And so they create religious systems. There's some people who think they are saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. 
How are you doing in your life? You think you're going to make it to heaven? Well, I'm trying to keep the Ten Commandments. Good luck, brother. How's that going? You got that coveting out of your heart yet? That pride that exalts yourself above the Savior? Can you keep the first one? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Can you keep the last one? Thou shalt not covet. How's that going? Just get honest with yourself for a minute. People so smart want to introduce you to the real way. And they, they go 10 degrees off of Christ, you know. They're not going to depart from Christ. It's going to be a deceptive thing. The word deceptive in verse 4, he uses the word twice here, the NIV does, in verse 4 and then again in verse 8. In verse 4, it's, it's a word like, it's a truth that sort of comes alongside of the confession, but it miscalculates and distorts it. They're not, they're not going to take you 180 degrees from Jesus. They're just going to take you about 10 degrees off, you know. Jesus is good. Yes, sir. Thumbs up. But you've got to keep these feasts. You've got to keep these dietary laws. You better get circumcised. I mean, they had all kinds of rules. They were saying, you need to be a Jew if you're really going to be in God's family. That's what they were hitting them with back here in Colossians. And they hit us with all kinds of things today. And here's the word. Don't let anybody put you back in that cell. You can't get saved by keeping the law, not the Old Testament law, not the commandments, and not the law you figured out. You can't get saved that way. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. You're looking at a Jesus person. (laughs) It's all Jesus. If Jesus fails me, I'm done. I got all my eggs in one basket. And it's Jesus. And he said, he came to fulfill the law. And he took the law, and like a bud, he brought that bud out into full blossom. Where's that bud anymore? Well, it's, it's not really there anymore. It's a blossom now. What happened to it? Jesus is the law keeper who kept the law for you, the law you cannot keep yourself. And so brought you salvation by his grace Thank God for the freedom that comes in Christ. Look at verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form in Christ. You see that? I can't expound to you that mystery, but I know it's true. It's in the book, fully God, fully man. That's how the Scripture teaches Jesus And he is the fullness of the deity. He's not half God. He's not a demigod. He is the fullness. He is the brilliance of God's image and the express nature of his person. And you have been given fullness in Christ. You see that? See that? You have been given fullness in Christ. That's verse 10. How am I ever going to live a full life in Christ? 
Paul uses that little expression over and over and over and over and over and over again in Christ. How's my life going to get filled up in Christ? Where's my fullness? It's in Christ. What do you want to be full of? What would you like your life to be full of? What are we talking about? The fullness which is in Christ. All the fullness of God's goodness and character is in Christ. And you were filled up in him. If you could make your list and you got honest with yourself, I think you'd start your list with love and joy and peace. Oh, God, if I could just know peace. If I could have peace in my heart. If I could sleep at night. These are the things I want my life to be full of. And and Paul says in Galatians, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Love, joy, peace, that's what he gives. I believe that's what he's talking about when Jesus said, I came that they might have life and might have it more what? Abundantly. That it might be overflowing kind of life. Sometimes we get deceived, even after we trusted Jesus, and we suppose there's something else. There's something else. There, there, there's got to be something else. It's all in Christ. Everything you need is in Christ. He is the sufficient one. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the perfect one. He is the complete one. He is the end of the law to all who believe. He is the fulfillment of it all. He is the Alpha and Omega. Jesus. He is the head over every power and authority in verse 10. In him you are also circumcised in a putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. He's there talking about you entering into God's covenant. How? Not with some human earthly act, but with the death of Christ upon the cross. God wants you in a covenant with him. God's drawn you into a relationship with him. Why? He's the God of the universe. He made that planet we just got reported about yesterday. Did you read about the new planet they found? Bigger than Jupiter, going around some star so far away I can't imagine it. He made it all. He made the Milky Way galaxy. He's the creator. And he wants to be in relationship with you. It's the most amazing thing on earth. Your life will change when you understand that this is God, and God is good. God is good. He'll transform your life. He circumcises us in the heart, making us his covenant people, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. I tell the baptism candidates, Jesus died and he was buried for you, and today you're being buried for him. Won't bury you in that water. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about him. And we bring you out of the water. It's a picture of the resurrection of Jesus. What's going on here? The same power that raised Jesus from that grave is turned loose in your 
life. Thank God for the fullness which is in Christ. That feeds the tributary of the overflowing river of gratitude in your heart. Gratitude ought to be so close to the surface of you that if anybody even touches you, it springs out. Just this close, right here, to being bubbling grateful. Why? Because the fullness of life he has given in Christ. Our salvation, our freedom, and our triumph. Verse 13 says, when you were dead in your sins. That doesn't sound very triumphant, does it? When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, that is not a covenant person, without hope and without God in the world, God made you alive with Christ. Your life comes from the resurrection of Jesus. You and Jesus share one life. It's his. That's why it's eternal. It's eternal life God gives you because it's God's life. It's his life. He forgave us all our sins. Thank God for that. I think I talked about that once. He forgave us all our sins. We were dead in sins and he forgave us. Having canceled, look at this verse 14, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. He took this code of regulations, this written code that was against us and that stood opposed to us, and he nailed it to the cross. I tell you what, that's jumping up and down wonderful news. It is. It's great. <laughs> Hallelujah for the cross. See, the law has always stood opposed to you. You take the Ten Commandments and you look at them and you see yourself and you know you're dirty. You see yourself as a sinner. You look in the law and you see your need, but you do not wash with the mirror. Do you? How many of you wash your face with a mirror? You can't do it. Why? Because the law does not cleanse anybody. Mark it down. There will be not a soul in heaven who was made righteous through the law. Not a one. They've all broken the code. When you really see it like it is and you're honest with God, the code of regulations, the written Ten Commandments and all the rest of it stands opposed to you. It condemns you. You go to Dr. Law to see your need, and you have a great need. You've got a heart disease spiritually that's killing you. You are dead in trespasses and sins. When Dr. Law gives his verdict, it is bad news for you. You are in bad shape. You have no hope. 
except Dr. Grace. And what Dr. Law does is he sends you to Dr. Grace. Look, you've got a heart problem, brother. You are dead in your sins. And I don't operate, but I know somebody that does. And Dr. Law sends you to Dr. Grace. And grace changes the heart. The healing comes because Jesus took the code that he had never broken. But all the rest of us have. And he nailed it to the cross. I just want you to think of that picture for a moment, okay? The Romans were sticklers about their law. They thought that peace of Rome was the best thing in the world. So when they hung up a criminal on a public road, they'd put a sign up that say, why the man dies, it's his certificate of debt. It's the written expression of why he's hanging there. And Pilate wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, in three languages, and they put it on the cross. Because the Roman Empire said he's dying for insurrection. That's why he's dying. He's a traitor. He thinks he's the king. There's only Caesar. So we're hanging him up here on this road. Paul later on understands that's not why Jesus died. Jesus wasn't a traitor to Rome. Pilate knew that. That's why he washed his hands. What's the real certificate of debt? The lying, the cheating, the stealing, the greed, the pride, the lust. filthiness of mind and heart and deed that plagues you every day and if you started to make your list of your undisciplined and fruitless behavior it would be long and you wouldn't want anybody to see it that's what Jesus took and nailed to his cross it's your certificate of debt for which he died. All your violations of the divine law. He triumphed over all powers and authorities that want to hold you back and hold you down. And keep you from God. Everything that fights against the will and purpose of God in your life. Jesus triumphed over them in verse 15. In the cross. Let's be honest. Are you ever going to feel good enough for God? Is there going to come a day when you can look at the record and say, wow, I did it for seven years now. I haven't had any greed or covetousness or pride or lust in my heart. Think that's going to happen to you? 
So what you going to do? One day you're going to die and go to face God. You want to go on that record? You want God to open the books when you show up? You want him to open the book of your works? All the stuff you've done? Let's just check you out here. You want to get before God one day and have him open that book? Or you want to have him open this other book? Which is the book of life. Now in this book, it's just got the names of people who forsook their own efforts to achieve righteousness and sold out to Jesus as God's way to salvation. This is the book of life. Blessed are they who on the day of judgment have their names written in the book of life. Is your name there? Have you ever trusted Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Have you ever laid down your pride and all your effort to please God and say, Lord, I'm coming to you without one plea. But that Jesus died on the cross for me. God's grace is greater than your sin, brother, sister, and he loves to give his grace. Let's bow together. If you've not trusted him, Would you just in this moment of prayer say, Lord, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I'm turning from my sin. I want you in my life. I want to know your salvation. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. Save me, Lord. I give myself to you and I cry out to you. Would you make that prayer? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Would you cry out to God? Would you trust him now? Lord, I pray today that you would clarify in somebody's heart that this is the way. Jesus himself is our salvation and there is no other. Help somebody know it and seize it this moment. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, convict us and bring us to the cross for our salvation and our strength for every day. Lord, let the gratitude flow because of such a great salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.